guest this week is Mrs. Paintbrush, a.k.a. Jackson O'Connell Barlow of Grand Buffet. This is one I've been excited about for a long time, and I'm really glad we finally got a chance to do it. Jackson is a great friend of mine, and definitely someone that's showed me the way over the years as far as this music thing goes. The artwork this week is by Mike Riley. Check him out at MikeRileyComics.com. And once again, we're being hosted by Splice Today. Check them out at SpliceToday.com. Let's Let's go go in. I was born in Portland, Maine in 1977. Um, 77 is a tight year. Yeah. Like, when I think about... The death of Elvis Presley, David Bowie, on the come up, switching over from singer-songwriter, show person to, to doing the Berlin Trilogy. So I'm lucky to, to have that year represent. I really don't have memories of childhood in in any linear kind of way i remember like a couple bagels a couple desserts some some music that i heard at at movie theaters i remember my uncle taking me to to empire strikes back and me and my sister seeing the credits scrolling like they do in star wars and we just bolted we just like fucking bailed because that was that was like the scariest shit <laughs> to us to see these like giant letters yeah. coming coming down. Um, I think when I was eight, let's say, moved to Massachusetts, mm. then lived right next to a trucking company in the woods, so it would be loud as fuck, and then there would be nothing happening. And had all these woods just to go out and and do imagination shit. Like, I I have a fraternal twin sister. And we're really split down the middle, stylistically. She she always wanted people to kick it with. And I was good just breaking the fuck out. Mm. And drawing, like... He-Man type dudes on on paper and designing weapons for him and like cutting those out meticulously and uh, maybe going to the corner store and and buying these baseball cards and and, uh, Michael Jackson cards and I remember things pretty much by music everything else is is a blur I can think of times I was freaked out by something but it's always weird shit that wasn't necessarily scary. It just kind of defragmented my my brain in a way that it's like, this is a possibility in this world. Yeah. Like, 
Speaking of cards, there was a Superman card from Superman 3 with, with Richard Pryor, where this gal gets dumped into some robot uh, car assembly type thing. I, I don't really know what it was specifically. I don't think it was an actual thing, obviously. But uh, she got a circuit board on her face. And when I got to that card, when I opened the pack, it was probably the scariest shit I had ever had to deal with besides thinking about one of my parents dying or, or you know, like a stranger outside of the house or something yeah. like that. Um, Michael Jackson, Thriller, Born in the USA, Bruce Springsteen, 1984, Van Halen, those were the first albums where it's like, this is, this is my shit, this is me, music. Yeah. My parents can't fuck with it. It's, it's like carnival shit, it's like roller coasters and neon lights and, and big airbrushed cherries and popcorn and, and it's... It's electric. That's my first. Yeah, that's me. That's that's my shit musically, yeah. and and that that's what I want life to be like. That's mm. the pinnacle. Is that kind of stuff? I had a, a Van Halen, like an oversized Van Halen poster book, where it was the band in a tank in uh, a junkyard. And one of them had, uh, David Lee Roth had like paratrooper gear, if I'm remembering it right. Yeah. I've never actually seen that picture again. I've seen plenty of pictures of them with that tank, which they had to, I think, clown Aerosmith on a tour that, that they were opening for Aerosmith, <laughs> where, where Aerosmith had a plane in part of their graphics. And, yeah. and Van Halen like shot down a plane like in, in the oh. video type of thing. But, um, then when I was 10, moved to Pittsburgh. Yeah. But every summer up until I graduated from high school, I would go back to New England during the summer. So I never really got into juvenile delinquent shit that I would have if I stayed with like dumbass friends here. Yeah. And I never picked up a, a Pittsburgh kind of accent. Yeah. And never... Never waved any type of flag, could give a fuck about Pittsburgh sports, and any of the bullshit, you know, yeah. mediocre Polish food and, and all that kind of stuff. Did Pittsburgh strike you as different when you got here? Right off the bat, it smelled like shit. Mm. It smelled like melted licorice and tires. Yeah. And it still was coming out of that age where... It was a it was a toxic city to live in. There, yeah. there was irreparable damage done to people that that were in the prime of life during like the sixties and seventies, and you could still see that there were a lot more stained historical buildings and things like that. You can you can go to downtown um, Pittsburgh or or Oakland and and still see just absolute smog stains on pillars and and things like that. That yeah. for some reason they haven't cleaned yeah um so i i associate it with industry and 
even though it's surrounded by mountains and forests, I thought that was like the death of, of playing in the woods. Like none of that's going to happen anymore. Oh, which, yeah, yeah. which wasn't at all the case because we lived in the suburbs. Yeah. My parents got divorced shortly after we moved here and we went from like middle class to lower middle class. Um, the stigma of parents getting divorced and, and dealing with all that and seeing mom and dad having their own personal crises financially, emotionally. And they would have been like much younger than I am now. Yeah. I think that was a big influence on why I live my life like I do now. Just this permanent Peter Pan kind of whimsical ride. But in the back of my mind... There's a vision of me as an old man dying alone, but it's all good. Mm. It's it's not like a negative thing. It's something that that I feel like since I was a kid, I've assumed is that's how it's going down. You know, wh- whether it's gonna be, you know, a Mossberg in the mouth or or jumping into a volcano. <laughs> if 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 these terminal styles kick in, let's go. Let's go. Seriously, and and it's not on some. Some bomber shit. It, it's yeah. on some like this is my ride. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not a person prone to to depression or anything like that. Very thankfully. But this is a bum fucking trip when your body starts to give out mm. and you aren't you anymore. Yeah. So it's like I strike people as being pretty positive and and. I don't know. That's from my perspective. Yeah. I, I really I really can't say, but for people to go inside my mind and, and look at some bleak scenarios that, that might be going on in, in, <laughs> in my future styles, it'd be like, whoa, fuck is up with this dude? Mm. We, we, we got them all fucked up. And you feel like that comes from like an awareness of like wanting to avoid how it went down. Wanting to avoid the quote-unquote adult crosses to bear Mm. where you haven't grown up inside, but societally you've taken on the bullshit that ultimately nails your feet to, to the earth. Yeah. Having kids... Buying a big fucked up house that, that you couldn't afford and, and you damn sure don't have the money to, to fix. Yeah. Um, getting a job that you hate that 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 pays enough that, that you can pay off the bullshit college education that you got 15 years later. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Um, my My parents kind of sat on the cross for me and that was my... That was the greatest thing besides not letting me die and imparting some wisdom yeah. that they did for me was showing me here's one option of things that, that, that can happen when you're in your, your late 20s, right. early 30s, prime of your life, and you can go through the ringer with all this shit, and it might bring you great joy, like having kids and, and things like that, but... um. It wasn't appetizing. Yeah. And yeah. that 
that's what I'm most grateful for is is just them showing me what I wanted to avoid. Mm. And it's no disrespect to them. Right. By any means, because they're they're different people. Yeah. In in what they want. Oh yeah. From a different time as well. Like I'm on you and I are both on the cusp of the beginning of the alien invasion of, of the internet and what yeah. that did to the human brain. So we're in this weird uh purgatory of remembering what it was like so we can't cross over completely. I know. But um Yeah, so that's childhood in yeah. in a nutshell. I I have no interest I feel subconsciously to remember most shit from yeah. from developmental ages. Yeah. I feel every time I go to another decade, I just snip off the old mm. one for the most part. I can see Besides yeah. remembering certain pop music, yeah. certain foods, different sugar cereals that I ate, things like that. When did meaning this grunge go down? Eighth grade? Mm. Eighth grade... Uh, I could be completely off. Grunge is the one with the memory. Yeah. Uh, and I'm I'm sure he broke down most of that. Yeah. In, in a nutshell, we were both from New England. We realized the majority, 99.9% of the people around us were fucking bozos um, that, that weren't hip to a tenth of the stuff that we were getting into at that time. So we saw in each other a lifeline to, to escape the 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 bullshit yeah. kind of blue ribbon suburban existence. It seemed like you both were kind of grinding on this like encyclopedic like pop knowledge since like a pretty early age. Was that like you developed that together? I didn't have a cool big brother. Yeah. I didn't have really any older cats that had shit going on. So yeah. I can look at my dad's and my mom's record collection where from that it's like, okay, Moody Blues, that's tight. Desire by Bob Dylan. I like his hat, you know, with the with the feather yeah. and, and like his, his wild fur coat. Like, I'm going to check that out. And musically, that that's like a pinnacle for him. Is being accessible. It's not him and a, an acoustic guitar. It's like yeah. with a great band with a cool backbeat. Like that stuff planted a seed yeah. in me. And then my my own little pop music obsessions. Like I, I would just hear one tune and just pray that I would hear it again. Yeah. And then when I got this cassette deck, I would I would wait for it like a hawk. And then, oh shit, they're going to play it. Yeah. Tape that and just let that resonate for, for weeks and weeks and weeks, which is a blessing because I don't know that anyone gets that anymore where they're stuck with one tape yeah. that they listen to over and over and they burn that shit into their brain. And it's like you you fully digest like the blueprint, like the components of that song that it's truly inside you as opposed to being outsourced by a hard drive. Right, right. 
you know so yeah just discovering music on my own and probably hearing oh th this is the thing i might have broke down to you uh a definitive moment was i had already had a fat boys album i had a run dmc album and they were cool but it hadn't clicked quite yet yeah. what was going on i just thought they seemed like happy dudes like cartoon like boys yeah that that got into all types of fun capers yeah and 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 did their their thing but my grandmother as as she was battling cancer uh this would have been months before she she passed my mom's mom she got me a cassette of license to ill mm. and i looked at it and i was like Oh, that's, that's cool. It's like a cool rock album. And for some reason, I never opened it and took it with... I took it to this record store that, that she bought it at with the receipt that my uncle must have had. Uh -huh. And I got this White Snake album <laughs> instead. And then a month later, every one of my friends has license to ill... They're in Teen Beat, you know, Dayton, Molly, yeah. Ringwald, and, and, and all of that. And it's like, fuck, Grandma knew what was up. And yeah. I'm stuck with this White Snake <laughs> album. And, and now it might be an actual issue for me to get a copy of License Dale on my own because yeah. I'm broke. And I don't know if Mom's going to see it if it has the parental advisory, yeah. which I don't, I don't remember if it did initially when it came out. I don't know. I'm trying to picture it. Because Paul's Boutique did. But okay. but I, I'm not sure, because there's like mild profanity, like yeah. PG profanity on, on license sale. But uh, so that, that got me checking for these Beastie Boys. And it was listening to a radio show playing them that I, I heard the first Public Enemy. Mm. And that was my moment where just like you hear of some kid hearing Elvis Presley yeah. on some fucked up ham radio yeah. you know while his parents are are asleep that was my moment heard it on a uh Emerson clock radio uh actually not to get it twisted General Electric let's be real uh I swear I heard the end of my Uzi weighs a ton off Yo Bum Rush's show. Yeah. And and then heard uh Bring the Noise. Mm. So I'll assume it was this college radio. Or it was Whammo when when it was still tight. Mm. Which was like the urban music station yeah. that, that, that once was, I think, privately owned and, and was kinda cool. Yeah. But that started it all and then a bullshit uh dude from from elementary school had the pe tape but was uh not fucking with it because there weren't enough swears on it and it was getting a little <laughs> too political so that's how i got mm. got my first from there that was an obsession. Yeah. 
drawing comic books, baseball cards, watching Oakland Athletics baseball games, and listening to, to like Golden Age rap. Yeah. Boogie Down Productions, Ice T, um, Eric B and Rakim to to a much smaller extent, yeah. unfortunately. For some reason, I never responded to that because some of the production was a little bit too pop jazzy, mm. kind of. So I never... Yeah. It didn't have the cool sirens and the noise going on that was was in the PE, so it, yeah. it wasn't... Same thing with the the um, Native Tongues thing. At that point, I thought that was like hippie shit. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't see these flowers on, on the De La Soul mm. cover and, and just... It wasn't for me. There was no immediacy to it. It was too chill, and and I, I felt like that's that's like a hippie drug kind of thing. Yeah. I I don't want to no, get into that because this was still yeah. that period of time where this was before I met grunge, but we had these huge kind of Puritan like anti-drug things in in our brains. I don't that's know if right. it was directly yeah. from the parents just scaring us. Yeah. Or or what it was, because you know, I know I know pops in Vietnam was was smoking this this herb and and a little bit of opium, yeah. you know, by by his own admission, and obviously mom was smoking pot. So I don't remember an anti drug conversation, but it was just there. Yeah, yeah. Were you a video music box head? The jukebox network. Okay, yeah. Jukebox network where I would turn it on on a busted black and white TV that was in uh, my living room in my mom's house. And it would be six viewings of Me So Horny by Two yeah. Live Crew. Back to back to back <laughs> no, to back I to remember, back. I and then there would be The Doc and the Doctor by the DOC. And yeah. that was the tightest shit I had ever seen. Yeah. Like, as far as it wasn't exactly the sound that I was used to, but it had the huge drums and it had a bellowing kind of baritone like Chuck D's. Yeah. You know, he, he, DOC had the golden voice and, and he yeah. would have been... Dude, I, I think if he hadn't gotten in that wreck, we wouldn't know who Snoop Dogg is now because Dre would have yeah. continued. Um, but yeah, that I think Bobby Jimmy and the Critters uh-huh. was was another one. Yeah, Cool C, who I believe was just executed. No, really? Yeah, I know he was on. Yeah, death, right? I I, I oh, think wow. I think yeah. he was just executed. Um, the glamorous life yeah. was was the big one, and I got a habit. I remember those those were quite popular, inordinately yeah. popular. When you compare them to much bigger bands in hip hop at that time, yeah, somebody was fucking with Cool C, right, in right, like a big right. way, yeah. Um, yeah, so that that was that was definitely important. MTV was obviously huge. I I had a weird avoidant thing with headbangers ball where as soon as it would come on it was almost like a transmission from like an infectious dark place and i it wasn't on some some weird 
Christian shit. Yeah. But I told you about my boy who who was like Polish, Italian, classic Pittsburgh kid that that could give a fuck about this Jesus and 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 church and all that, but had a moment in in the basement where the Man in the Box video by Alice in Chains came on, and for about one weekend, after shutting that video off, he was like, "I gotta, I gotta straighten up. I gotta live life good, <laughs> and and like I can't go down that road. Yeah. Like that was that was some fucked up shit, dude. With his eyes sewn up, mm. like, like yeah, that's 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 like bad news." A week later, it was back to the Iron, Ma- <laughs> Iron Maiden and, and, and all that. So, yeah, uh, MTV, hugely important. Yeah. And how did you start doing music? Probably the first thing that I did that was musical was in uh, sixth grade. My friend... And I started writing raps for substitute teachers. Oh yeah. Where we would we would pick a substitute teacher that we thought was the shittiest and give them kind of like a gangster rap voicing. Yeah. And we would do battle raps. Not them battling each other, but what they would come to the plate with yeah. on how fucking deadly they are and how they don't give a fuck about this or that. And we we wrote the verses out and I don't even remember citing them. I don't know if we were just reading them because I never, I don't remember ever rapping aloud. Yeah. This stuff, but that was the first time since I wrote a poem when I when I was in like fourth grade that I got an award for about mm. loneliness, <laughs> which I still I don't know where that came from that I I came with like this prodigal level lonely you know kid yeah. poem, but um that the battle raps for substitute teachers was the first time where I was excited to put words together yeah. and get better using vocabulary that was that was it so that was the the word aspect of it but the music did not come along until grunge entered the 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 picture and to go into his basement and see a fucking drum set a bass amp a synth amp um all types of little percussion uh guitars like there there was i think jordan's white Telecaster or, or Strat, Grunge had the the the, the PV bass. Um, seeing them just fucking around and playing all types of music from from like prog rock or super groups that were in prog like Asia. And then police and rush and and stuff like that. I I knew that that I was fucking with it. Yeah. But it was a lot to to take in all at once. But at no point did I have a ah that's not rap. I'm not fucking with it. Yeah. Thing, because rap was never anything that that I could claim for my own. Because I always knew that I was an outsider. Yeah. 
and this is this is like magical otherworldly music that that I am a great collector of. I get every transmission from the Source magazine and and see how it's going down, but I couldn't relate to it at all because that was not that was not my life. Yeah. But it gave me a way to to be like a secret badass in my room and flex hard in front of the mirror and and just do do the hard ass kind of poses and think about how and and you might have done this when you were a little kid you're a little kid but you're thinking of like action movies and how you would walk into like this dusty ass roadhouse bar and say some some tough shit to a bunch of like bikers yeah and beat the fuck out of them saying slick shit with cool choreography. But you're a kid in your imagination. You look exactly like you, yet you're beating the fuck <laughs> out of like grown men. Definitely. That was yeah. that that magical time where your imagination could could make anything yeah. happen. So from from the Stallone kind of tough guy movies that that, that I was psyched about to the hip hop braggadocio kind of thing, it created like the badass little dude in, in inside of my head where it's like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna handle this. Yeah. You know, with the door closed and, right. and muttering shit under my breath to, <laughs> to the mirror. Uh the second formative thing after hip hop would have been David Bowie. Mm. My dad had a tape that his brother made him of Hunky Dory, which is Bowie's um, technically third album, and uh, Changes Bowie, which is the greatest hits, and Ziggy Stardust. He had Ziggy Stardust, an actual, like, you know, bought cassette. Yeah. And that was always something that I listened to not as a fan but as just a curious kind of what what is it about this dude like I I'm actually really cautious about his his look and his style yeah but but there's something definitely fascinating and when the breakdown from Night of the Living Bassheads by Public Enemy revealed itself to be the fame yeah. breakdown or intro by Bowie. I was like, okay. Yeah. I didn't I didn't know. And I started to hear more things that, that I found out were David Bowie. And he's like, what the fuck is up with this dude? He's he's so many different people. Yeah. Like I I have to get into this. Yeah. Like how could I not? Like there doesn't seem to be anyone doing what he's doing. Yeah. And from, I don't know, seventh grade up until now, that was my singer-songwriter dude. Yeah. That was my dude. Like, I've, I've said before, if, if I were to have a, a Mount Rushmore, uh, it would be Chuck D, Kate Bush, David Bowie, David Lee Roth. I thought it was wild, like, when we first met... You were rocking this Kate Bush. I feel like I didn't hear about her at that time from anybody except you. 
and then I didn't feel like I didn't hear people start to talk about her again, really, till like 2010 or something. It was like, almost like Tumblr needed to happen for her to explode. Mm, I could see that. There's that, the, there's that Tumblr community that is exploding people's education on um, kind of gender fluid progressive thinking. Yeah. And she is is like the fairy godmother of of that that world. Yeah. As is Bowie to an extent. And him him dying for the past couple you know, I don't know, the past couple weeks, Tumblr is just a David Bowie archive. Yeah. With yeah. a couple like cat gifs here <laughs> right, and there. Right. Um as it should be. Yeah. As it should be, but but yeah, that was that was something that I brought to the table to to grunge along with the new school kind of golden age rap. Yeah. That he wasn't really checking for at that right, time. Right. He knew of his brothers. Yeah. Like hip hop albums and yeah. and he was all about that. And I remember and Jordan might have brought this up, how he was kind of anti that. Like that new jack kind of stuff. Right, right. For for a minute, he was like avoidant of that. Yeah. And that was that was where I got on. Right. That right, was right. the shit. That was that was my class in in my in my mind. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I brought I brought David Bowie, and and that era to the table, and my mom's and dad's records. Yeah. Which I still to this day I don't I don't know that the grunge ever got into Moody Blues or some of those other bands, so I must have not rep them mm. that hard. Yeah. Well this Grand Buffet, like how did it how did it go from like messing around to like we you know, we got these songs and we're I would say it was all grunge being the the producer, orchestrator, like we should we should do this. Yeah. You got the you got the raps, um I got this arsenal. My brother's doing his thing. So to me, it was like a room full of, oh, you got acrylic paint and you got clay and, and you got all this. It was like that, but yeah. with, with musical yeah. instruments. And it's like, okay, I'm out of my element, but but yeah, let's totally fuck with this stuff. Mm. And the first thing that I gravitated towards was, was synthesizer because you don't have to know how to do shit. Yeah drum machine and synthesizer and that had me popping off this Casio rap man which mm. was a huge piece of of the grand buffet story yeah like the the origin story of grand buffet we use some of those presets just like kids 15 years prior used the sk1 Casio sampler yeah um which i had that too when i was yeah. a little kid and obviously, yeah, it's like, fuck, 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 fuck. You got to do that. But that was my first thing where I remember having these delusions of grandeur where it's like, okay, so I basically have a recording studio now. So it's just a matter of time before I come out with like the hypest hip hop joint. Right, right. You know, on this like cheesy little 
piece of garbage with with pre-recorded like house scratches yeah. and and um the little the the voice effector microphone yeah but i would just meditate on that thing for for hours and just let a beat play and that was the first thing that i started writing to then probably jordan's dr rhythm yeah i don't remember when i got my first boss drum machine but i got the one where you you could do four layers so you could do melodic stuff you could do a baseline drums pianos all of that kind of stuff and yeah. i used i used the fuck out of that thing like yeah the the amount of times that that i ran that through guitar pedals and and things to to create stuff for sparkle classic um and a bunch of the shit we did that 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 was one of the most important things because that's essentially me learning how to compose music yeah and melody uh i was always standoffish about singing anything because i never felt like i had any ability to do yeah. so so i feel as though if i had any confidence way back in the day i would have been in a rock group as well yeah just because yeah. so much of what I brought to the table, I think, as a performer, had absolutely nothing to do with, with hip-hop. It had everything to do with watching David Lee Roth and David Bowie and, and being more like a shaman by way of, of Vegas and, and vaudeville. Yeah. That made absolute perfect sense to me. And yeah. costume and, and the theater of it all. But I didn't have the ability... To, to sing because I just didn't know how you pop that off. I wasn't going to sit down at a piano and, and work shit out like that. Right, right. And I had nobody encouraging me to sing, whereas yeah. because I was writing lyrics, it's like, all right, so this is my this is my road into the abstract performer yeah. world that, yeah. that I think is ultimately going to bring me fame and fortune yeah. just because that was the only shit that I gave a fuck about this coincided with me drawing all the fucking time right up until like from childhood up until high school graduation I was doing illustration and painting to a much lesser extent that that was my thing that's what I was known for I was the, the art the art kid yeah you know that 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 rocked weird gear, and you know hung out with 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 grunge and these other kind of weird dudes that were friends to most people. We weren't really outcasts, yeah, but we just weren't fucking with with most of the people. But there was never much drama, and I'm sure grunge said something to the effect of he wishes he would have popped off more and gone against the fuckery of right. high school and all the dipshits. Yeah. And we really should have flown the freak flag and fucked with people yeah. a lot more. Fucked with people that, that needed to be fucked with because they were trying to dominate right, like, right on this right. bullshit high school game. And I agree, but I was still very much like, 
uh, let's let's keep the peace. Yeah. Because I had never I'd never been in like a proper fight, so I never wanted to venture into that. Okay, so we'll just like we'll grade on these dudes, and eventually some physical violence will pop off, and yeah. and I'll be able to hold my own. It was an abstract. I didn't know. Maybe right. I could. Maybe I couldn't. Yeah. So as this music starts to pop off a little more, like like what was it like playing these first shows and everything? The first shows. I spent so much money, all all the money I had, really, on just weird gear and weird props. And I wanted super elaborate shit to be popping off. Yeah. I wanted it to, to, to look ridiculous and and have a beautiful kind of stage set. But I had such a limited budget that it would be a couple dumb things and me wearing some some outfit that I that I got it. Yeah. This big lots or something like that. But I was putting in the effort because I knew it would pay off in differentiating what we were doing from from other cats. Yeah. Uh I would get super nervous before shows. And for about the first year, and probably you know, two years, something like that. It was just, this sucks. This pre-show feeling yeah. sucks. I can't concentrate the day of the show. Can't really focus and, and, and get my mind quiet. I don't want to be around people because I'm just thinking yeah. about that. Uh, and eventually just had to make that decision. Like I don't want to feel like this all the time. And I know that I'm not going to just have this Jack and Coke to, to mellow myself out because right. that's not in the cards. I wasn't even like thinking like that at that point in time. Because yeah. Grunge and I were still coming off of this straight edge type of thing. We never were on some triple X flag waving yeah. stuff, but for all intents and purposes, we didn't fuck with any of that. Yeah. Like it was people like Ice T and Chuck D that were almost like father figures where they didn't fuck with drugs. And talked about how that was like some weak shit. They were the coolest motherfuckers to me. Oh, yeah. So I'm obviously not going to be able to see that. Right. Which right. is strange because at the same time I was a huge Bowie fan. And he he did legendary, you know, right, copious right. amounts of everything. But, um, yeah, I, I couldn't see that. So the first, the first shows, a lot of cats rolled out. Because we were one of the only bands from high school, yeah, doing shows and and really doing it in a way where we weren't just some, you know, zit faced dumbasses looking down at our shoes and and playing these like, you know, fucked up Ibanez yeah. guitars. No disrespect. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I I really have no sense of what the time span was yeah. of the early shows and, and me getting my wits about me to when it just became, oh, I'm as comfortable on this stage as I am, if not more so, mm. you know? Yeah, uh, which is an amazing feeling, I feel. Like, yeah, once, yeah, once you get there... You have bypassed holding other things as your power, 
putting other things on a pedestal. Yeah. If you can do that without the use of drugs, alcohol, the fucking idiots that wear sunglasses when they perform live, um, that kind of shit, bypass all of that. Yeah. You are the person that makes those wheels turn. So you can always do that. And you never have that that doubt because you've, you've done it many times. Yeah. And you have a lot more confidence in yourself than you have in, in the distaste of any of the fucking bozos. Yeah. In the audience. And, and it really is a power exchange. Yeah. Where if you... Let them know that you aren't about it. Someone's gonna see that, and that's gonna work against you, and and you're gonna like drown in your own, yeah, you know, fear. So that was one of the most important trades that that I ever learned. I mean, yeah. it's not a trade in the sense of I could really do shit else with it besides public speaking or stand up comedy. Right. Right. But uh, it's an asset that, that, you know, it's one of the the favorite yeah. abilities that I racked up. So as you start to get this stage presence going, is there a point where you start to be like, more like, this is what I want to do with my life and this is real? That's what I wanted to do with my life before I got good at it at all. Yeah, yeah. It was... I deferred a, a full scholarship to, to art school. Not that that would have gone to any fucking great anything. I would have probably ended up doing graphic design for some shitty company yeah. and, and just hating that. So, uh, fuck that anyways. But that's where the, the passion was. Because yeah. I didn't know anything about how to make music. But that was the most interesting thing, and that's all I cared about was being who I knew I was inside and pulling that out slowly. And it was always a thing, and you would have been around for, for the period where we'd be at a show, and it could go either way. I could just kind of turn in a whatever performance and go through the motions or I could do something that I felt a little unsafe about. But once, once I brought that out, I could never go back because that became something in, in the repertoire. Like, okay, I've done that. Like I have to exceed that the next time. Mm. Or that's something, that's something that, that I did and it worked well or it didn't work, but it got some type of cool results. Like yeah. It was slowly crawling out of myself to reveal the dude that, that is inside of my brain mm. kind of thing. Becoming my full self. Like, having worked a day job for, um, I don't know, past six years, something like that. Yeah, five, five years, I think. Like, I'm still more the dude on stage because I have that much more time doing that. It's like still very much a Clark Kent 
oh, yeah. thing for for me to to be this norm because the world is not fucking normal and for me to survive i need to become that dude yeah. the stage dude with all the fuckery that this world offers like i have to tap into that it's like the the prince thing let's go crazy like i don't know what he meant by that but but that's always been a mantra like when this world throws the absolute most soul-killing kind of stuff at you, you have to fucking go balls out crazy Yeah. in a positive way. Use that creative force to, to make the world better or at least die in a fucking cool way. Yeah. You know, go out with a bang, like doing something that you love. Yeah. Or whether it's doing something you love or, or um, you know... I don't know, take it out like a crooked cop, something like that yeah. in, in a fun way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I remember like the earliest GB shows, this stage banter or just these ideas you present on stage would just be so insane. And it would, it would really be like disarming. It's almost like performance art, like the kind of, the kind of like stuff you guys would say and do, you know, and just just like you said it's disarming we had to to tread water with whatever talents we had long enough for people to to send us a lifeline to to like fuck with what we were doing yeah so we got better and better at doing something disarming concisely enough that it's that needle scratch thing yeah. where everyone that didn't give a fuck about it is now paying attention whether they like right. it or not and that was how we would get people to listen to the music that we were doing because for so long and for many people that's still the only thing that they really fucked with about us was us saying inane and irreverent shit mm. in my mind it was also, we have no production value because we don't have the money to do it. We don't have lighting. We don't have good sound. But I, in my mind, I see us on this grand scale. Yeah. Performance-wise. We would have explosions, lasers, backup dancers, like that Lavalier, Mike, SeaWorld drama kind of shit popping up. Yeah. I always wanted to do something like that with the pre-recorded vocals, even though you could easily just like use your vocals. Right, like right. that was the shit that, that I love. So bringing that on a completely um, no budget way. Yeah. Just by describing scenarios to these people. So it's out of my mind and into their mind. And if, if they're at all hip they're gonna catch on to that and be like, oh, okay. Like I, I like I like what they're they're doing. Like we distrust them because they're these white cats doing rap and we may or may not know fuck all about rap, but but we have to be a little bit on the defense because that's not right, them doing that. Right. So boom. Like here here's something that, that will buy us some time. For you to to give us a chance musically, and 
over time, if, if someone kept seeing us, they actually started getting into the music. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully. How did it start to be, like, again, like, the time when we met, it seemed like you guys had already been, like, not doing, like, full tours, but you'd already been, like, going down to, like, Annapolis and, mm-hmm. and the B and stuff like that. Like, like how did how did that come about? Like, what were the first connections that were made? Grunge would definitely be the dude to tell all of those stories accurately. Yeah. In a nutshell, it was meeting like-minded people. Yeah. And exchanging shows. Yeah. Because they're on the same type of hustle that, that you are. They they want to get get something going in, in, in your scene and, and vice versa. Um, so that that's really all that was going on there. Like th- That whole point in time, I really had no involvement in um, doing any type of booking. Oh, right. Like, I, I was in my own fucking head. Yeah. I was strictly, like, the creative cat yeah. that, that didn't want to deal with any of the bullshit. So so Grunge is completely responsible for, for carrying the torch as a promoter, as as like the business dude yeah. of the band. Because I didn't want to deal with any of that shit. And had he not come along, who's to say what the fuck I would be doing mm. with that? Yeah. You know, we yeah. very much needed each other to, to pop off. Oh, yeah. Grand Buffet. Like, I, I have no idea what I'd be doing. It's like with Grunge, it's safe to say he would have been in, in like these rock groups. Yeah. yeah. You know? Um, and, and like gotten really good at, at, at bass and, you know, parlayed that into something. Yeah. With me, I have no fucking idea because I had no interest in, in the business aspect of it, I didn't even like handing out flyers because it was like I don't want to ask some fucking bozo to to do me a favor and come right. to my show. I wanted to to do that that completely naive artist thing where it's like, oh well, we'll just play a show and everyone's gonna hear about it and be like, oh my god, these guys fucking rule. Yeah, like we're definitely going to the show, and each show that we played would just get bigger and bigger and bigger. You right, didn't have right. to promote it and and do that kind of shit. So. Um, I was not cut out for that at all. And still to this day, with the Mrs. Paintbrush stuff, like, I do so few shows, I make a flyer that I like, and put it out on, like, a limited network that this show's going down. And I'll do a little hand flyer thing here and there. But it's like, I don't want I don't want to put someone out, because this is the day and age where it's like, you're in a fucking band, who cares? Yeah. Sadly. Yeah. But... Deservedly so, mm. at the same time. Anybody can make a stellar-sounding album, if they want to. Yeah. Just like anybody can get a, a, an Ivy League education by using the internet. They're more likely to dumb themselves back to the Stone Age using right. the internet, but the options are there. Right, right, right. So you can... Everything is possible, yeah. except you getting a great record deal and, and being, you know, handed... A couple million to to go fuck around in in the Swiss Alps, yeah, and ski and work on the greatest music right, ever right. recorded, like that's not popping off yeah. anymore. But that was always the dream, and and still in the recess of 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 my mind, like 
it's not out of the question that some insane scenario, oh yeah, it could happen. Yeah. But along with that is also the scenario of, of, of me in like a, a bomb shelter with like a fucking weird little robot that, that I assembled playing, playing old like tunes for me while, yeah. while I wait for imminent death. <laughs> so, all styles. All styles. <laughs> As this first tour goes down, um, like, which is real important time for me in my life, it, like, like, what was that experience like for you? Like, doing this when we did this first like east coast west coast tour I don't have fond memories of much of it yeah because it was a struggle yeah we didn't have a pot to piss in financially you know at least for myself I had no lifeline so it right. was just like alright I, I got this limited amount of money from from Painting houses yeah. under the table, and I hope we can make it. Yeah, like the shows, I was still really brooding before each show. Mm. So I would go into that mode where where I'm sure to to most people around me, promoters and and any other bands, I was just like a difficult dude. Mm. Possibly. That's how that's how I recall it. Yeah. Based on like the shell that might have been up. Like if you engaged me, I would be completely cool and respectable yeah. and all that. But up until that, I would probably be sitting with like the merch, just not really saying shit. Right. And maybe right. listening to Walkman and looking down at something. Yeah. Um It was it was cold and grey in, in my memory in that I was glad I was doing it, but we were in the trenches. Yeah. Waiting for, for a spark to yeah. happen. Yeah. Having said that, the first time we made it to, to California, seeing Los Angeles, I remember doing doing like the graveyard shift drive into to like the Hollywood Hills. It was morning and I was just seeing what I'd seen in so many action movies and and shows and it's like, wow, this is this is real. I'm here. Yeah. It's it seems so much different than anything. Like going to the West Coast, if you only know the East Coast, is so much stranger than if you went from like Pittsburgh to London. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a different vibe. You're you're breathing truly different air. Um, burgers and fries and, and donuts and these wild LA styles that was exciting to me yeah. like finally connecting with that that would have been the highlight yeah um, but it took a while for us to even have any type of shit going on in LA proper mm. we just had whack ass shows yeah. for, for quite some time I think so many people do. Yeah, that have, have popped off like everywhere else. And yeah, popped. L.A. like New York is yeah. is still like good fucking luck. How yeah. no one gives a fuck about your band un until like they're damn near like killing each other to get backstage passes yeah. 
to make the scene. So, yeah. L.A. was already fucked. It was like a pay-to-play type type of yeah. sound by the time we were doing it. Yeah. But, um, the, the mystique was still there. Yeah. From my perspective, because, I mean, if you remember, like, I, like, hardly had a set together, and I feel like I sort of, like, fell back as the... T- I feel like I kept shortening my set. Yeah. And, like, I, I didn't... I sort of, like, just wanted to almost more be, like, learning and just be a fly mm-hmm. on the wall or whatever. And, which and, which you were. I mean... Yeah. I picture myself in your shoes. You have these two dudes that, that have a developed telepathy with each yeah. other where for for you to, to compete with that would be fucking impossible yeah. at that point in time. You just, yeah. you can't do that. If I had, if I with like the Mr. Paintbrush shit with me and an iPad had to go on like with someone like Pasolacqua, yeah, they have a honed vocabulary and the right, sum right. of the parts gets, gets bigger and, and the energy, the ball of energy that, that goes out to the audience is, is like a tangible thing. Yeah. So you have to do so much goddamn work to to do something like that on your own. That being said, if you can develop that on your own, that cannot be taken away and oh, you right. you can yeah. really become like a fucking magician yeah. and be able to pull people into you. Um I think about some of the shows like the first time I saw Sage that was like this this dude is not projecting out he's bringing people in yeah. like he's harnessed something that that I don't have yet like I wonder how one develops that but it yeah. was it was almost like there's a darkness there that I don't have mm. that that is almost like a vacuum yeah so it's like my thing is more going to be like flinging myself across the room to to get out at people as opposed to like creating this fucking vortex which i might do more of that now right but that has more to do with me not wanting to be as spastic as i was in in gb because i don't want it just to be the dude from grand buffet minus one of the dudes from grand buffet you know i want it it's slowly developing into its own vocabulary oh yeah what i was thinking was from my memory of that time I felt I was I was seeing like these sparks, mm-hmm. like I felt like, like from your sets as fucked up as so many of those shows were. Like I feel like I saw some of these people that probably became these lifelong GB totally. fans and stuff. You totally, know? yeah, yeah. You you were you were watching our training wheels coming off. Yeah, most yeah. definitely. And I don't know if grunge ever put it into words, but. I, f- I think the feeling is mutual that we have kind of a big brother thing with you where it's like, oh, yeah. that's tight that, that we, we showed him a path. Yeah. And also like, man, we kind of like, kind of like fucked up our little brother. <laughs> <laughs> no. We create, we created someone with, with, an even stronger stay the course against adversity type of like I feel like your your temperament and and 
your drive to to see through what you do is so much stronger because it's always been you and not like a a tandem yeah thing yeah so i can relate but i can't relate (laughs) type type of thing yeah you know as soon as grunge and i just kind of grew grew away from each other and didn't need each other in the mix all the time because we had to like do us yeah. It was just kind of like, all right, let's let's like let's chill on this right, for a while. Right. Where it's like, height is just height. Yeah, you know, he yeah. he has his cast of characters and 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 you know uh, contributors, but at the end of the day, it's always been. Yeah, what was like to you like the big spark? Like like if that was a hard time, like what was, what made you feel like okay, this is starting to come together? When we started doing Pittsburgh shows on a level where we were bringing in an amount of people that to any band, I don't care who they were, they would look at our audience and be like, this is legitimate. Yeah. Like the these dudes have a thing. And one thing I was most proud of at that point in time is if you were to look at a Grand Buffet audience, it would be like, who the fuck is playing like if you just took yeah. a snapshot from the stage of our audience you're not at a metal show you aren't at a ska, ska show you aren't you don't know where you're at yeah but you know that overall there's good there's a good vibe going on and, right. and we were a love or hate band so we weeded out the fuck shit like pretty pretty easily um with the different scenes. Yeah. You were you were down or you weren't. So to to bring that up to a level where we could do a CD release, almost sell it out or sell it out, make substantial loot for us at that point in time. Yeah. Uh and then to being able to do that in another city, probably Florida, yeah, uh Baltimore, like those those were truly the the rocket boost moments yeah. where it's like, all right, like we have we have our craft down, and from here on out, it's it's only gonna go up. Yeah, you know, come come what may. As far as these albums and these EPs, like like like, because I know there was some like earlier stuff that you guys consider like not part of the. Official John, like, yeah, Sparkle Classic is the beginning yeah. of of Grand Buffet proper. Every, every everything after that, um, I I would sign off on. You yeah, know? yeah. Like er, everything is is something I'm proud of. Yeah, all the all the records we put out has has it encapsulates like where we were at, and 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 I'm proud of it. Yeah, the three EPs are like some of my favorite music of all music and and like a big part of it for me is rocking them and knowing that it went down in this like really small period of time with my mans Mm -hmm. like like imagining you guys in like in like grunge's parents house or like wherever it was you know what like what are your memories of like cooking those that that trilogy up well that was what i like to call our our fire mario stage Mm. or our uh infinity 
you know, Invincible Star, yeah. Mario stage, where when you're in your mid-20s, or approximately around there, give or take a few years, you you have a stamina, and you could eat nothing but, but like, handicap hot fries and drink Coca-Cola, and you can be fucking, like, putting up 250 at the gym, if that's your thing, or you can you can write the best album you'll ever write, yeah. Or that's that's your your phase one heightened powers stage. So I really couldn't give you any linear memories of what that was like. I have snapshots of me chilling at at a park watching these ducks and just having my my drum machine with with a couple battery packs. And, and just sitting at the park bench. Every once in a while, I, I, I would look up to see, like, this shady-looking dude seeing, seeing if I'm down for, like, this gay rendezvous in the park. This is, this is when I was first starting to see, like, oh, okay, there's, like, this dude's, like, fucking in, in these public parks. Yeah. Like, while I'm trying to come with a tight verse. <laughs> Checking out ducks. Um, that's what I remember... Sitting in in my car in a parking lot at like four in the morning, and I know that I gotta come in into like to to Grunge's little little bedroom studio with the fire tomorrow, and I only have nine lines. Yeah, but I need three verses. Yeah, if I'm going to match the the music that he gave me. Yeah, so I gotta come with it, and it would be a scenario where. Either there would be that true spark and I have a fully realized thing that, that, that really just like sparks something and he knows it and I know it. Or I would come with one really tight verse and a so-so verse, maybe even a garbage verse. And as soon as I spit it, I realize from his reaction, like, ah, I gotta, I gotta do that again. Yeah. Like gotta, you know, meditate on that more. So there's something to be said for being in a band with someone who you respect each other's ability, but you're also very critical and you have a vocabulary to, to show that you're fucking with it or you're not. Right. That if he made a beat that, that I couldn't see, it's the one that doesn't get written to. Yeah. And that's just how it's going to be. Yeah. If he wants to, to, to like keep it in, in the catalog, like, that that's all good. I'm never I'm never gonna get to a point where it's like, oh yeah, I see it, you know. And he'll be the same way with any verses right, that right. I wrote, where it's like, and and I can't really think of a time where grunge wasn't fucking with a verse, and he should have. Yeah. Anytime he didn't feel a verse, it was for good reason. It was yeah. because like he knew that I could I could come with something better. Yeah. Um, and vice versa. You know, if if he was just doing kind of a, a lazy like click track beat and then putting a little synthity over it and, and it didn't really have much dynamic, like that's just one I'm not writing to. Right, right. So so that was our communication, be yeah. it be it passive aggressive or, or whatever it was at that time, and it worked itself out because we were firing on all the cylinders and were able to keep enough snacks around that that we didn't have to work these day jobs and yeah. you know do stuff like that too much that we had the time to write in the stuff 
But in that in in that uh, Invincible Star Mario time, you're you're fine on three hours of sleep. Yeah. I would wake up at six in the morning, do backbreaking work, carrying around a forty foot ladder, which I couldn't do now, um, because it's not sane for for a man that's one hundred and thirty pounds wet to to do some shit yeah. like that. It's just stupid. I would do that, use up all my adrenaline stores, go eat a mediocre meal, then drive to the show, deal with a bunch of like awkward um, shit at some fucking pub and and shitty bands or tight bands. Yeah. And then we do our set and I'm drenched in sweat and I have absolutely nothing left. Just pass the fuck out, wake up and do this blue collar work. Right. Again for for eight and a half hours, yeah. um. I've done that already, so for me to do that now, it's just not happening, like because there's not a scenario where I have a wife and kids, and that's my my way to get paid. Right. So I have to fight through that. Yeah. To do it. It's just not in the phys ed. You've like implied to me before that like, it seemed like with all these tours and music shit and everything else it's kind of like there was a point where like burning the candle at both ends got to be too too rough or something like that short of me having the robot i've always dreamed of that wakes me up by smacking the shit out of me yeah and and it's like what are you doing today jackson and it's like oh i'm i'm gonna like watch youtube and eat cereal Bam! Like, no, it's not going down like yeah. that. You're you're working on, like, making beats yeah. for, for eight hours on your day off. Yeah. Because that will be a much better payoff than any dumb shit you're going to do today. Like, it's it's harder to get that willpower from myself where I work a full work week and then I have to balance having fun with my girlfriend and and eating good snacks and and you know doing doing all the cuddly nice stuff that I like and finding some some room for my expression yeah. where for myself I don't know about you but if I don't sit down for at least 8 hours I'm not going to come with anything of any real substance Definitely. unless like I'm just fucking around and come up with a cool melody yeah. for like a synth bass part, or maybe I I have a couple mochas and and get this like super inspiration and come up with with like two tight lines yeah. that will be the anchor that gets me to to put in further time yeah. to flesh something out. It gets harder and harder to write a tight rap verse because I feel as though I've said the majority of what I want to say. Because I don't want to come with these political, like, literal raps. Right. Um, I don't want to get in people's lanes where they're doing it better. So unless it feels like me, you know, on my tongue, like, it's just kind of like, eh, I don't know. And and the, the work ethic is not there to beat myself up for, for an entire weekend until I have that tight verse. Right. You know, sadly, were someone to, to be like, Jackson, like, 
here's a couple G's. Don't do shit else, but give us four tight songs. I could totally do that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But that's a dream scenario, and I'd rather suck an alligator's dick than, than come with this, like, uh, GoFundMe thing. Right, right. Just for Kickstarter thing. Yeah. Just because it's like, motherfuckers are drinking poison water in right, this day right. and age in America. Like, people are dying over bullshit, and, and we should be murking politicians and cops in the street because of how it's going down right now. For me to, to like, put out this MP3 album and, and think that anyone should give a fuck about it and go out of their way to, like, put some bread right. in my pocket, I can't, I can't be like, yeah. That's not to say that there's not vital bands in in their in their zone right now doing great stuff that really will give people a better existence by what they're doing. Yeah. Because yeah. I totally believe that that will always be happening. Yeah. It's just what channels it's going to be happening through and, and totally. what it sounds like that, like and and you know, jobless that that is always happening because because yeah. it's vital. That's that's the greatest. Thing to go against all all the fuckery. Yeah, yeah. It, it kind of seems like grunge is what's missing in a way, as far as this motivation or like organization or so. Like, like, do you miss like that dynamic? I miss a collaborative dynamic where where I have someone that will be like, "That's not your A material," you know. That, mm. That's that's lazy, like. I'm not going to take that seriously until you take it seriously. Mm. So I feel like he and I both have a reluctance to, to do the GB thing because we know that we have created a catalog that we're proud of. Yeah. And for us to come with B minus shit, it's like, it's just not going to see the light of day. Yeah. It's never going to get off the ground because we, we expect more than that of each other. So it's just been kind of a, a, a standoff where it's like, we don't want to get in a room with each other and harp on each other until we come with, with fire. Yeah. Because the egos are in a certain place. The, the work ethic is, is in, in need of a dusting off yeah. type of thing. Like, I'm in my hobbyist mode right now and that's not an ideal but that's me being objective about where i'm at i'm mm. i'm in my hobby mode i fuck around a little bit you know at a coffee shop making making some cool little yeah. little ditties and i put out these eps on my birthday um it's not where i'm going it's me getting back to to where i was and getting back to my my powers and i haven't quite figured out how it's gonna pop off whether it's me in a new band with other people yeah or it's me just saying you know what fuck it i have some money in the bank where i can piss away a month of touring and getting my chops back up where after doing a couple you know mediocre shows I will catch that spark again where it's like, oh, that's like, that's Grand Buffet Jackson. 
Yeah. And now I can take it in this direction and I can be formidable to anyone who sees me like they know like this is someone with 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 a craft this is someone that knows what the fuck they're doing like i have not been in those shoes in any real way other than little flashes here and there in my mind the ability is still there i can i can run you know a mile worthy of of anything that that I did in high school my lung capacity is there I'm missing a couple teeth due to due to fucked up dentistry so my voice is a, a little bit different as far as like the the flow and everything mm. but um I am still in my powers if I choose to to actually like put in the fucking work oh yeah yeah and and I always maintain that like yeah. I bust my fucking ass going to work riding my bike Every single goddamn day. Yeah. Hell or high water. Because in the back of my mind, I have to be in, in battle-ready mode. Yeah. I have to be a physical specimen to be able to, to convey these tunes. Like, if if aliens came down and were like, where's Grand Buffet? Like, you guys aren't doing shit. Like, what the fuck is up with you? Like... You guys need to come with this tight album. Right. We would have perspective to be like, you know what? Fuck everything else. Aliens are here. It's life or death. Like we know what it takes to pop off this this tight grand buffet yeah. record. We can shed all the bullshit, all 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 the the superficial shit, and we can still come with that. You know, yeah. Grunge and I both have that in us. It's will that scenario happen? Yeah. Or will a Swiss billionaire be like, oh, fuck, this Sparkle Classic is tight. Like, I'm going to put the boys up in, yeah. in, in the mansion and, and, like, give them this per diem and let's go. Right. So it's these very weird scenarios that that are in the back of my mind where there's levels of possibility. Yeah. Where I'm at, honestly, in my life right now, I want to put out another EP before my birthday and also on my birthday or do something cool. Like that's a style that I've liked for the Mrs. Paintbrush thing. Yeah. I like that, that with the Bandcamp page, I have people from around the Western world that are fucking with it. And I get to see, Oh cool. Someone bought it in, yeah. in the UK or Scotland or, or here or there. And it's like, they don't actually know about Grand Buffet. They only know about me from God knows how the fuck they know about me? Right, Because right. I, I do fuck all for promotion. Right. So they use the internet in that magical way that, that I hope younger people do, or all people, where it's like, oh, Mr. Paintbrush, that's what's up. Yeah. And and buy the poster or, you know, buy this physical CD or, or, or the MP3 album. And slowly I'm, I'm building that up. But I also have an interest in just hollering at Pittsburgh, yo, it's just like, I got this bass guitar. I'd be kind of into just laying low and, and sitting back in this band. And will it reveal itself as like some tin machine shit or will I actually fit? And it's like, oh yeah, like I, I want to collaborate and, and, and let them do the vocals and stuff like that. But I'm still in that part 
on my brain where it's not really democracy. If they're coming with, with whack lyrics and they're not good at, at performing live, I don't want to just fucking like sit behind them and play bass. Right, right. So I have too high a standards, but no initiative to be like, all right, motherfuckers, like, let, let's do this. Like, yeah. let's have auditions. Let's, like, see who's hungry to do it. Because yeah. I can't ask someone who's my, my age, like 38, to, to be like, you know what? Quit your day job. Let's fucking eat ramen noodles and go back on the streets right, and, right, right. and do this hustle. Whereas if I find a like-minded 25-year-old in that stage... It's like, yeah, I'm an older cat, but I still have that fire. Right. Do you want do you want to like pop off, you know, this this month long tour and let's yeah. see how it goes. Yeah, it might yeah. bear fruit. We might end up with with like fucking wheelchairs and and like eye patches. Right. right. <laughs> you know. Um I mean, Grunge was saying before and I think it's true too, like he was saying the the solo stuff you have now more so than like the grunge stuff he feels like it could you could kind of pick up where the gb stuff left off as far as like like i i mean i don't know if these connections are still like available and stuff but he was saying he could see it popping off on like this of montreal type tour yeah i totally see what he means because it's bedroom pop music like like of montreal was until kevin um employed his band members to become his backing band. Yeah. You know, where that will never be a scenario because that's not something that, you know, I'm just one dude and I don't have a backing band. Yeah. I only had grunge as, as like my, my dude. Um, that scenario wouldn't happen, you know, in that direct way, but, and don't get it twisted that I'm at all on some Lennon McCartney shit. Cause that's like the stupidest shit. Right. So, but I'm, I'm going to go with, with the, the, the analogy that John Lennon said something to the effect that don't be sad that the Beatles broke up. If you want to, to hear a new Beatles record, go pick up the electric light orchestra record because I gave up the reins of the band to Paul McCartney and he held us down for, for the last couple albums with his, his like wacky beautiful music shit. Yeah. And I feel as though that's what was going on with Grand Buffet where it's like our last record was split down the middle. It's like, oh, here's a grunge John. Here's a Jackson John. Yeah. You know, and, and it's like the musicality with my very limited vocabulary was starting to flourish mm-hmm. at the end a GB. Oh yeah. And it just walked directly into Mrs. Paintbrush. Yeah. Because cool treasure Death Paver, they're Mrs. Paintbrush tunes yeah. for all intents and purposes. Because all Mrs. Mrs. Paintbrush is is me in my fucking bedroom with with a laptop and a shitty microphone, doing all I know how to do. Yeah, in, you know, yeah. in 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 a creative musical type of thing. So, yeah. Where, whereas grunge directly translates better to Shark Tank, in in that like he's great with with a posse and he's great. Like in the context of doing DIY touring, whereas I just pump the brakes on all of that. Yeah. And it's like, you know what? I'm just going to lay back and, and maybe come with five EPs before I even make a motion to get back out there. Right. Like, right. so long as I don't have a stroke 
or or some unforeseen shit happening because I'm not planning on on these kids or or you know marriage or that type of uh, grown up shit. Like, it's still a possibility for yeah. me to be this forty year old loser, like being, let's go. Yeah. Let me retract me saying this loser shit because that 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 was lazy, like. And that's disrespectful to to cats of that age doing it. Right. Um. Let me say. Doing this like tightrope walk, where it's like, could be cool, could fall to my death, with nothing to show for it oh, besides yeah. Yeah. you know recordings that I made and and people that that remember what yeah. it is that I that I did. So we're part of a community that does a lot of thankless shit that we know what we do and we know what our true rewards and, and value yeah. is and, and no one can take that away from us. And that's never left me and I, I still look forward to popping that off and I definitely will be coming on some touring shit. I just don't know when. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm waiting for some type of undefined storm to pass in my own brain mm. and in the world itself where it's yeah. like, this is a sinking ship. Like, we have a president, like, we have these presidential nominees where one is, like, a fucking, like, post-apocalyptic cartoon character. Yeah. And the other one is an idealist who, you don't know how he's not already been murked by, by like, big agriculture or, or like, weapons manufacturers. Mm. And it's like, he should be surrounded by Navy SEALs at every fucking second of the day if he thinks he's going to, like, pop it off as yeah. the president. And mark my words, like, I don't know for the first time in my adult life what the end scenario is going to be. Like, it truly yeah. is a fucking question mark. Yeah. Whether it's martial law or, or like, an absolute fucking um, de-evolved horror show. Or something cool happening. Right, 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 right. Much lesser uh, pronunciation on on the cool shit <laughs> happening because it doesn't seem how that's going down. But I've noticed that before. Like you, so you sometimes you see your own, you know, artistic life as kind of really connected to like what's going on politically, and like it seems like it really it really gets to you what's going on to the, almost to the point sometimes where it's like paralysis or something like that. Yeah, like on on Osama's dead ass dick, like th that was our come up. Nine eleven. Yeah. In in this bizarre way where touring musicians were were affected by this tragedy personally, but in the mystical, bizarre, indescribable, um, in any real terms world of touring band universe yeah a spell was cast a very definitive black magic ritual occurred and we found ourselves in this bizarre you know hollowed out sphere of you have the real world and you have this parallel where 
it's now starting to 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 bleed into each other and it's like i remember what the the real world was like before this insane tragedy but everything is is like mystical and and like it it's real in that people are dying and and that i'm you know pissing away my money like buying gas and going on tours yeah but there's something greater at play and as a non um religious person i wouldn't call myself an atheist i wouldn't call myself anything because they're all fucking wax styles yeah in in my brain the way the way that it works um but something a switch was turned and we got heightened powers from it because the world was fucking burning mm. just like maybe reagan era punks or or uh these f- f- original MCs in the Bronx who who were in a fucking post-apocalyptic city. Yeah. Like they they turned some like absolute wreckage into the most substantial musical art form of our lifetime. Yeah. The last true fully formed, you know, musical form. The last style until these holograms and cybernetic implants do whatever they do, which right, right, right. I can only speculate. Um, yeah, it, 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 was, it was a come up. And that has worn off. And I'm, I'm in like the shadow of it now from my perspective, whereas younger cats and cats that are out on the road right now are watching the shadow of a fucking giant perfect storm wave about to pop off and they don't know if it's going to launch them in into like the hall of gods or it's going to like bury them like fucking ants and yeah. and everything that that they they did it will will just be lost in time it's a really fucking weird time to to be doing anything um so that's that's what I see when when I look out from my fucking pile of leaves, you know, yeah. kind of. If, if that makes any no, no, sense, no, definitely, definitely. Is there anything else you want you want to mention before we John Blaze out of here? Um, no. Let's go. (laughs) 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 To be continued. And there you have it. We'll see you next week.